I mean, one one of the songs has like fifteen verses. It's like, <laughs> dude, come on, this is just silly. It's silly boy talk here. <laughs> what? It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's ridiculous. None of this is silly boy talk. Welcome back to Asinine Radio, a weekly podcast where we talk about music and, well, that's pretty much it. So, uh, let's go! Bring it up. This, this is Asinine Radio. This is the weekly music podcast where every week we get into a different <laughs> album from a different artist and we break it down. We uh, we try to do as much research as we can and we try to find out all the secrets about the record and, the uh, and let you know. <laughs> so um, my name is Tyler and way out there, hundreds of miles oh. away, way out there in the ether is Jeff. Uh, go to iTunes, go rate, review and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Asinine Radio. And uh, so, yeah, just go do that because it'd be awesome. So, all right, Jeff. So what uh, what Bob Dylan record are we doing today? We're doing Bringing It All Back Home. He began his career as a teenager in the late 1950s and is still going to this day. He currently has 39 full-length records, 26 EPs, 12 live albums, 7 soundtracks, 20 compilations, and is considered by some to be the greatest songwriter of all time. But the album we're doing today is called Bringing It All Back Home. It is his fifth record. It was released March 22nd, 1965. It's the first album to feature a full band 
and it's considered by many to be the greatest album of all time. Now, Jeff, um, there's a helicopter flying over my house, so that's cool. Uh, so what are your uh, first impress or what's your origin story with Bob Dylan? What do you got? Okay, so um, I don't know. I, I really don't know what my origin story with Bob Dylan is. I remember my mom singing uh, Rainy, Rainy Day Woman, the Everybody Must Get Stoned parts. And yeah. And like in my early days, my early life as a as a lad. Um, but I don't. I don't know. I, Bob Dylan here and there have 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 done songs, and then like like a Rolling Stone or Blowing in the Wind have always just been insanely popular. And I I um, I think they're fine. I think like his his like, I don't know Rolling Rolling Stone magazine or Rolling Stone the entity lists like a Rolling Stone as like the greatest song of all time. And I think it definitely has its merits, but it's just uh, it's like dude, definitely not the greatest. Well, I mean, there's no like freak on a leash or anything but well no i mean well i was gonna say it's not got the life i mean it's definitely gotcha. no got the life yeah but, um, um but no but, like all jokes aside there are better much better songs than that come the, on it's just i don't know i bob dylan has just always been there like i don't have an origin story because he was always he's always just been there and he's always constantly making music so even growing up in the late 80s and 90s he was still making records and like I've always heard Bob Dylan. Oh, Bob Dylan put out a new record. Like still to last year, Bob Dylan put out a new record, and it's, he's always just been there, you know. So there's not like an yeah. origin story. I I didn't like stumble across him one day. It's everybody and their fucking mother knows who Bob Dylan is. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. And it's just it, it wasn't until like community college days for me when I took a, a class that I really dove into like the the deeper side of Bob Dylan. And I mean, that was, it makes sense though, because me starting like my, my guitar journey, I started originally playing just like acoustic at camp and doing like camp type songs, which are inherently very folky because we're just telling stories and stuff like that. And so that's, that's kind of like the reason why I started playing guitar was just so I could hang out with the cool kids at camp and just, <laughs> it, it grew from there. And so I, I think once I realized how great Bob Dylan is outside of like a Rolling Stone and blowing in the wind, that's when it really got a hold. So I guess that is my origin story. But that didn't happen until like my first year in community college. So I was until I was like okay. nineteen when okay. I really when when it really took hold. Okay. Okay. Yeah, because your mom never really listened to it. I, I assume, right? No. Yeah. Same here. My mom never. She never cared for Bob Dylan. My dad never did either. Even though my dad was like really into Johnny Cash for whatever reason. So weird. I think but Bob Dylan's just always there. You take him for granted. He's he's always there. And for some reason, he probably will always be there. Always there to be annoying. He's like Jagger and Richards. They never oh, going to die. <laughs> yeah, there's that too. Yeah. They've been around forever, constantly making music. Oh, God. You make fun of Omar for putting out music. <laughs> yeah. Well, these guys this put it out over the course guy. of like a century. Omar does it over the course of like fucking ten minutes. <laughs> Still, it's better than a lot of the shit Bob Dylan does. Oh God man, damn. you're lucky. You're lucky. I gulped my beer because I would have sprayed it all over my computer monitor <laughs> if I already had that in my mouth. True spit take. Um, okay, so uh, my origin story is I don't really have one. I I never got into Bob Dylan. I'm not. I wasn't much of an acoustic man growing up. 
was more into heavy metal, punk music, so I didn't really care. The little bit I heard growing up, I just, I thought it was annoying. Like, I didn't, I just didn't get it. I've never been a lyricman, so I just, I had no attachment to this at all, to him at all. And I didn't know anybody who listened to Bob Dylan. Nobody in my family listened to it. My friend, none of my friends listened to Bob Dylan. That's true. If anything, my friends made fun of Bob Dylan. Um, so yeah, I just, I have no connection. I've always just, you know, watching documentaries growing up, you know, in music, people always cited Bob Dylan as being like their biggest inspiration. And I just didn't get it. I just did not get it. And even to this day, I don't get it for the most part. <laughs> um, not to say it's, some of his stuff is good, but most of what I heard over this last week, his first nine records, the sixties stuff, I just, and I, I don't, I don't, it's not for me. It's just not for me, I guess. But this record is is pretty good. This record's pretty good. Not not vinyl worthy, but it's pretty good. That's like our so, new um, our new standard is is it vinyl worthy? <laughs> I know exactly. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and I honestly, if, if it was a dollar, like we talked about earlier, if it was a dollar, dollar is guy. It was a dollar. Oh, it was a nickel. Well, fuck, it was a nickel. Even better, even better deal right there, right? So, um, so yeah, so that, that's my origin story. I don't really have one and I don't know, I don't know where to go from here. So, um, do you have any stinkers know. on this one? No, I have no stinkers. I do have, I do have, uh, okay songs. Okay. Okay. Do you want to, cause I don't have any stinkers either. Um, I like half the songs are bangers. I think I have five bangers I have five and bangers then the rest too. of them. Really? That's it. And you're mm-hmm. such a, you're such a. Dylanman, so it's because that's weird. It's because it's because some songs like uh, "On the Road Again" I think is okay, but okay, I fucking love the lyrics. I love what he's saying, but I don't know, just like that bluesy number. <laughs> I thought it was cool. Is that one of your bangers? Um, that's my five B. Actually, oh, you're such a little cuck. Um, so, so, what's your one B? What's your one B? My one B is the closer. It's all over now, baby blue. Fuck, that's a long song too. If mm-hmm. I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, you're. I mean, it's not like crazy long, but wasn't it like ten minutes long? No, it's not. Wait, no, there's an ele- there's like a ten or eleven minute song on this record. Let's see. Oh, maybe um, there's not. I'm, I, 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 I was wrong. I, I take it back. I was wrong. There's a seven and a half minute long song. Oh, it's all right, ma. I'm only bleeding. Yeah. That's a long fucking song, way too long. But anyway, well, no, you're okay. You, your biggest banger is "It's All Over Now." It's right? all over now, baby blue. Baby the last blue. song. Okay, so what, what's going on with this one? This is uh, I've always I've always followed this song as being like a fuck off to the naysayers, mm-hmm. and Bob Dylan's kind of like my first venture into being a lyricman. I don't think. Like until we did this pod, like I think Bob Dylan was the only person that I really paid attention to, like the lyrics, in the sense of of not just like knowing and reciting the lyric, but digging a little bit deeper. I can't yeah. think of any other artist that I really like really dove into. Even like when when we first started listening to Regina Spector, it wasn't until we did the pod that we like dove into the lyrics and realized like holy shit, like she's she great lyrics. She say, she sang way more than we even gave her credit for initially. We gave her a lot of credit. Yeah. So I, I think, yeah, I think Bob Dylan's the first person to, to really, I don't know. Get not even, who? not even Weezer? No, because like Weezer, 
Uh, well, you know, you're right. You're right. Pinker, Pinkerton's kind of like the outlier, I guess. P- Pinkerton's like the exception to the rule because Pinkerton I've always just loved because of its conceptual nature. So you're right. Pink- yeah. Pinkerton aside, though. Pinkerton aside, though. Pinkerton aside, though. though. Bob Dylan was it. So it's all over, all over now, baby. This I've always followed this as a song about being like a fuck off to the naysayers. Like he uses he uses fire in the beginning. I'm going to talk pretty much 100 percent about the lyrics because I mean, yeah, that's all you can really talk about. Yeah, but uh, so okay, so a little backstory on the album too. This is the first plugged in electric rock Bob Dylan that we've heard. Four albums in, he's strictly folk. He's strictly acoustic. It's just him and a guitar. And then he does this thing, and it's met with uh, like hate, and people yeah. people didn't like it strictly because of its delivery, and rightfully so. That really pissed off Bob Dylan, and I get it. <laughs> and I've always kind of like like the whole like selling out thing. We joke about it a lot. Bands change their tune, change their image, change their sound, whatever. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like it, but you also don't have to just hate it without listening to what they're saying yeah without like justification you know but a lot of bands don't a lot of bands change their sound but they're not like good enough to kind of justify the change the way bob dylan is because bob dylan's still saying the same things he just changes delivery the context is still there the meat and potatoes of this meal is still there it's just it's presented a little bit different and that really pissed him off because he does spend a lot of time writing lyrics and for people not to listen to his lyrics, but just listen to the delivery of it has got to be fucking irritating. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, but yeah, the, so it's all over now, baby blue. He uses fire in the beginning and the end of this one of the song. And it kind of helps with like the destruction and rebirth of the story of Bob Dylan himself. So like fire in itself is both like a taker and a giver, right? Fire destroys mm-hmm. mostly, but then you also think of fire in the sense of it burning down a forest, but burning down that old dead vegetation leaves room for regrowth, for things to come up. That's what California True, cannot fucking fathom, is when these fires happen, you need to kind of let them burn out the old brush to let new stuff grow in, instead of yeah. suppressing it constantly and have these huge things explode, but whatever. Which we've been doing for 100 years. You know? <laughs> Never going to stop, because California yeah. is ridiculous. But yeah, dude, like True. fire destroys just as it paves way for new life. And I, I think I think he's just kind of calling his haters like children. He's like the fact that oh, people totally, yeah. the fact that people booed him and chastised him for going electric, it was just like they're just sheep. They're sheep in his mind. They missed what he was trying to say and they focused, like I said, on the medium he used to convey said message. They're focusing on the messenger, not the message. And that's irritating. And so I I've always followed it's all over now, baby blue, as kind of a goodbye to whatever people thought Bob Dylan was supposed to be. Now, this mm-hmm. is a new Bob Dylan, but it's not even a new Bob Dylan. It's just a different representation of Bob Dylan because he's never really changed. Even to rough and rowdy ways, he's still the same Bob Dylan. He just presents it differently. Yeah, it's still, it's, it's still the same substance. But like you said, it's, it's how he delivers it, which, I don't know. It's not, it's not a bad delivery. I, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to me. It, <laughs> it's it's stupid. It's just stupid, dude. Everything the, rea- the reaction to it is really stupid. Everything here like leads up to that fourth verse when he drives drives another point home. Change is inevitable, and it's a part of life. Instead of like wanting what was, try and just move forward. Again, you don't have to like it, but you also don't have to be a dick about it. 
And yeah. I know, like, we like to joke around the pod a lot, and we, you know, we fuck around with people a lot for changing their sound. But ultimately, we still listen to what they're saying, and we still try and get into their mind, and we still try and dissect it to a, an objective standpoint, I guess. We but, try, yeah. But, but we don't really succeed. But we're never just like overly, we, we, we'll never bash something just strictly based off of like one facet of the music. At least mm-hmm. we'll give it its due. I gave Korn I mean, all of what? its due. You're giving Bob Dylan all of its due. It's, I'm trying, yeah. It's what we do. Yeah, we, 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 we really do try, especially now on the pod. Before, early in the early days, we, it was, it was much ra- different. It was a little more rambunctious. <laughs> yeah, it was. Definitely. But we did a lot Wait, of easier so, albums, so, though. True. No, that's very, very true. We didn't really push push the limits until the last like year and a half or two years now, I guess. Yeah. But, um. So wait, wait. The the fourth verse is what you were talking about. Yeah. Wait. What was the lyric again? Oh, I, I didn't even say a lyric yet. But there is a lyric. Oh, I here. thought you did. I'm sorry. He says, "Leave okay. the dead; they won't follow." That is, dude. That's like mm-hmm. it's so blunt. It's so bitter, right? It's just like, dude. Wait, leave the dead; they won't follow. Leave the dead; they won't follow. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Sorry, you I you re- like re- paraphrased it. No, re- no, no. You you paraphrased it, so I was confused. Oh yeah, that's that's on me. I'm sorry, I didn't. I, I I didn't directly quote it. I thought you, I thought you were. I I'm sorry, my bad. Okay, leave the dead; Continue. they won't follow. It's so blunt. It's so bitter. It's it's kind of it's it's kind of like a shitty way of thinking. Like, dude, they're dead. Move along. Get over it. But he's not, he's not exactly telling you to get over it. He's not exactly saying, hey, leave, leave the past as it is. It's more of, of move forward. You can still reminisce on the past. You can still bring some aspects of the past with you. But we mm-hmm. need to move forward. Change is inevitable. Change happens yeah. no matter what. You don't have, again, you don't have to like it, but you don't have to be a dick about it. True, yeah. I think that's just like Bob Dylan's overall mindset in the mid-60s. Well, and he's and then in this song too, he's just talking about the immaturity of the people in that scene. Because I mean, you have to you 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 can't you can't expect there not to not be changed. Like that, it's just insanity in any aspect of life. So it's just he's just calling out the immature nature of all these people and how it almost it almost ruined his career. Honestly, like it very well could have ruined his career if his full band stuff, you know, wasn't that good. Honestly, it it could have just been a death nail for him, but he persevered. So whatever. It's no, it's true. Him. It's it's uh it's it's so unfortunate that this at this time is like a a big deal, right? Like it's so yeah. like now in hindsight, it's so stupid and it's just it's not and, and the difference between like his fourth album and this is not even that much. It's not like he went from fucking dashboard confessional to Black Sabbath. Yeah, the true. albums are very similar. They didn't sound like they sound very damn similar. The They're only the only difference, different. yeah, the only difference is that there's a drummer and a bass player every once in a while added to the mix. Like, but it's they're not really even going not full speed, dude. They're, no, you know they're not. I mean? They're not doing so anything silly. crazy, intricate. Yeah. <laughs> It's like this so pisses people silly. off. It's cra- it's insane. It is fucking especially crazy. considering like you know considering this is like the counterculture, the beginning of the counterculture. <laughs> yeah. You know, and like you're upset about this, like <laughs> like literally on the verge of war with Vietnam. The Cold War is still going on. You know, the Vietnam War is about to begin. You know, you, the the president was just assassinated. MLK was just assassinated. Civil rights was you know, you know, full 
full fledged at this point. Like, what the fuck? I, <laughs> like to fucking bitch about Bob Dylan's style is plugging in an acoustic dude, guitar. At dude, that. it's like it's like the equivalent of you know gossip columns of modern celebrities. You know, this is like this is like talking about the Kardashians. This is the equivalent of talking about the Kardashians and then you know. Yeah who knows doing something that's not even that relevant. You know, there, there's so many other things to worry about in this counterculture that was going on in the sixties. It's fucking silly, fucking silly. It's like, it, and it, it almost makes you think like it, it, if they, if they liked, if they actually like Bob Dylan so much, why aren't like, they should have been focusing on his lyrics and his message that he was trying to convey at this time. But no, it was about his delivery of it not the actual message itself, which is so much more fucking important. Fucking idiots. They're all idiots. It's Fuck the folk festival, whatever that shit's called. Oh, uh, the Newport. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah, too. Newport. Yeah. Because that was fun. Yeah, man. It's all over now, Baby Blue. It's just, it's just, it's, dude, it's a fucking banger. It is one of my favorite Bob Dylan songs. It is absolutely amazing. And I, I it, like just the way. And then even Bob Dylan itself, like him as an entity, I think he's, like, I don't even know. I don't know if it's like a long con or whatever, but he's been, he's been so distant about like dissecting his own stuff and he changes lyrics a lot in live shows and different recordings. And mm-hmm. so it's almost like he's so, he's so prolific in his writing that he can spit something out, not even realize how good it is. And then when everybody eats it up, and then people start dissecting it. He's never the one to step in and say, "Oh no, it really means this," because or it'll it be, could be it'll be like twenty years later. He'll be like, "Oh no, I wrote that about this." So how the fuck do you even remember that? There's no way. And it's, he's so mysterious and he's so weird and he's so purposely subjective that I just I think like he doesn't even understand like what the fuck he's doing. I don't think so either. And and my my viewpoint after doing this record it kind of makes me think like he doesn't know what he's trying to say. Like he'll just throw out the most, you know, asinine things he could say. And just knowing that people are going to just fawn over him and just, they're going to, you know, pick apart every lyric he, he's put out there. And then he'll, he'll go along with, or he'll kind of go along with what a group of people are saying. Like, I don't think, I think some of his stuff is pretty nonsensical. I really do. It's, but some of it is really good. Like, the um, Gates of Eden. I, I like the lyrics a lot on that one, but but then sometimes I don't know. His lyrics are just they're too much. It's just too much sometimes. A lot of a lot of words, a lot of unnecessary words, and the way he the way he delivers the lines too. It's just people. Some people say it's like the precursor to rap or hip hop, which I it's kind of a stretch. Well, subterranean homesick blues is. I mean, you could definitely make that argument. Uh, it's still a stretch. One hundred percent. It's still a stretch, but it's not he has, a stretch at all. But it's also like sometimes when when he's when he's singing, it's like he's trying to get out as many words as he can, and it's just kind of like, why are you doing this? Like, like just have your words like have meaning. Don't try to just like throw in a bunch of filler. Just write more, write more substance. Sometimes I feel I don't know if that makes sense. It's frustrating. I I, he has I a lot definitely. Of words. I definitely, I definitely agree that he he just talks a lot, and yeah. it's almost to the point of of you know like throwing everything on the wall and just seeing what sticks type of thing. Yeah, 
And it just I mean, so one, one of the songs has like 15 verses. It's like, dude, <laughs> come on. This is just silly. It's silly boy talk here. <laughs> what? It's, <laughs> silly it's, boy it's, talk? It's ridiculous. None of this is so. silly boy talk. <laughs> Fucking couch. Uh, silly boy talk. Should, we, okay. <laughs> should, should I play a little bit of this song? Yeah. Sure. Okay, so here's uh here's it's all over now, baby blue. You must leave now, take what you need, you think will last. But whatever you wish to keep, you better grab it fast. Understands your orphan with his gun, crying like a fire in the sun. Look out, the saints are coming through, and it's all over now, baby blue. Take what you have gathered from coincidence The empty-handed painter from your streets Is drawing crazy patterns on your sheets The sky too is falling It's all over now, baby blue All your seasick sailors, they're all rowing home Your empty-handed army is all going home your There you have it, Bob Dylan and his song, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue the closer of this mm. record your your biggest banger for whatever reason but that's fine what is what is your what it, is your biggest banger on this fucking album I, maggie's farm we already ah, played it we, it was cuck. that's uh, that's why all we're gonna talk about maggie's farm that's it we're done with maggie's farm already no no i, I mean I, I, it's my bb whoa. so i assume we were gonna talk about it whoa that's my to be okay so what are you being such a little bitch to be or not to be <laughs> that is the oh, question. God. Oh God. Okay. Yeah, Maggie's Farm. It's uh it's the best one on the record. I think it's only because, you know, I've I've this is one of the few Bob Dylan songs I've heard and then obviously Rage Rage Against the Machine covered it. And um it's still kind of annoying, but it's the best on the record. The best on the record. Um it's it's you know it's a B. We already we already played. Why 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 do I need to talk about it? Well, if you what don't do you want to talk about it, you can move one? on. I mean, I don't. No no no. I mean, like musically, that's the thing too. Like, there's not a lot. There's to talk some about good stuff in here yet. though. A little there drum is. roll, feel like in the intro, like to lead into this. That's solid. That's something we've never heard Bob Dylan do before, and it's important. Like these are the little the little things that make kind of this album so controversial. Is is these little rock things that he does. Or he yeah. did. Well, this him, song, but. 
Maggie's Farm too. This is what he plays on his guitar is very similar to what he was doing prior to this record. This is like straight up. This is like taking one of his old songs from his first four records and then just throwing a band behind it. Right. Like he's not doing anything out of the norm for him for his own playing. You know what I mean? It's more. It's just it's the same old thing, but it's still good. And and I know the words because, like I said, rage. Um. It's good though. It's it's good. The 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 lyrics I I think are are really interesting too. We, you and I really dove deep into this one on our Rage Against the Machine podcast, which we need to get back to. But that is true. Um, but yeah, so th- yeah, we we talked about this one pretty extensively, and and the lyrics and it was it's interesting. It's interesting stuff. It's pretty much an anti anti kind of government anti war. Pretty much anti war. It's an anti um, everybody song. Yeah anti you know just just fuck authority it's kind of what it is you know i i don't want to it's like him saying i don't want to pay taxes i don't want to fund unjust wars and but he does it in a way like you could also interpret it you know i don't want to be kind of like the servant to my wife's family you know it's like yeah it has multiple meanings which is kind of cool about his lyrics is that you can there's always like at face value, his lyrics seem like they're about like romantic relationships, but then you 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 can dive deeper. You can make up your own assumptions and say, "Oh no, it's actually about you know the social happenings of the of that time." Of you know, at this time, Lyndon B. Johnson was. Th- this is like him saying like, "This is him criticizing Lyndon B. Johnson because he was kind of like." I, for lack of a better word, bullying Congress into into you know going it going to war with Vietnam, and so it's him kind of saying, he, you know, I'm like fuck that, like I I don't want to be a part of it, I don't want to be a part of this stupid war, and he makes a couple of references to that, like was it like putting a cigar out on your face or something like that? Yeah, I don't know. LBJ always like had that. that big cigar in his mouth. I, I yeah, guess. I don't know. There, there's Dude, this like is a that. this is a banger of a song. This this is a song that for me often gets overlooked in my, when I go back and listen to a lot of Bob Dylan stuff, I I often overlook this because I shy or I, I shy away from the electric stuff and go towards more of the acoustic stuff. But this is crazy to me, but, uh, no, I, I, I have no rebuttal for that because it's so (laughs) egregious. Like, like, and and workaholics, because he he says like the word egregious sounds like a German person saying the word egregious. (laughs) (laughs) I always say egregious, but yeah, Maggie's Farm is Maggie's Farm is a true banger, and and like this again, I'm I'm I think this is him telling his his haters, his naysayers to piss off, right? Because he starts off being broad, telling us like he's. He's bored of the current scene. Maggie's farm is the scene, and we yeah, know yeah. he's bored of the scene. Like we, he, he's constantly talking about it. The Greenwich Village is—he's bored of it. He's tired of it. Maggie's brother is the one who pays him. This is the, like the monetary side of being a rock star. He fucking hates yeah. it. Maggie's pa, society, and the way our country was at the time—the war, the mindset, the policing, the brutality of society—hates it. Maggie's ma. The ones behind all of Mackie's paw stuffs. This one's telling everyone what to do when making laws for us and thinking they know what's best. He hates all of it. And he brings yeah. it all back to the farm. And what makes it really cool, what makes it really good is the way he presents it. Because he knows, like he knows what he's doing here. He knows that people are finicky. 
he knows that people are going to be upset when he records this electric set because the folk scene at the time was very, very niche. Annoying. Very, very... <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Very narrow-minded. So he knows... Mm-hmm. He knows that when he releases this album, it's going to cause a stir. Like, he's not stupid. And so when people were so mad at him for selling out, and then he writes a song like this about how much he doesn't give a fuck, and even still brings up, like, huge societal problems and issues that are so much more important than going electric, this song is about it. This song is like a like a foreshadowing of how stupid people fucking were at this time. It's unbelievable. Yep. Like he totally. knew they were gonna do it, and he wrote a song about how they're going to. He like he was basically saying, "Here, here's all the things that really pissed me off about society," and they still hated it. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable how fucking stupid people used to be. Actually, yeah, are. And it's and it's pretty remarkable too, especially at this time, for a guy who who built his success on that scene, on the folk scene, and on this record to completely kind of call them out for their their stupid immature ways like it's a it's a ballsy move it truly is and like i said this could have been the death nail on his career this could have just destroyed him but for whatever reason it 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 didn't it just i guess he had too much to say and enough people outside of that genre loved it so (laughs) he did he had too much to say nobody else was doing this there's so many things that he did that could have been like the final nail on his coffin. He walked out. He walked out on the Ed Sullivan show early in his career because they told mm-hmm. him not to play a song because it could possibly leave them open for liability. And he was like, you fucking yeah, it was serious? Like, I read that too. I think it was like a lobbyist group because he was criticized. I think it, I could be completely on the moon here, but I thought it was, it was him criticizing a lobbyist group and they were like, they were had advertisements on the Ed Sullivan show. And then they said, don't do that because of your criticisms of them. And then that's when he walked out. I think it was something like that. Yeah, they wanted him to change. I, I can't remember what song it was. I can't. It, it was not this record. It was another record. It was, I think it was his third record because it was in the earlier 60s. But, but yeah, they wanted him to change parts of it or omit parts of it. And he was like, okay. And then next thing you know, he's like walking out the back door and just went home. <laughs> it was fucking stupid. So I'm out of here. So, you know, it's, it's this is Bob Dylan. He chose his own name. His name's not even Bob Dylan. I know, and that annoyed me. That I doesn't, like that. I that always annoys me, but his reasoning for doing it, it makes complete sense. Wait, it's why like, did he do it then? I don't, because I don't why remember. can't you choose your own fucking name? If you don't like the name Tyler, why should you have to be called Tyler? Well, no, why can't you true. pick your own no. fucking name? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, he liked the not? name Bob Dylan, so he's like, fuck it, I'm going to do Bob Dylan. That's it. Doesn't doesn't need to be like extravagant. Doesn't need to be like deep. It's just that's what he liked and he wanted to do it. This is America, right? I know, but sometimes he's so damn pretentious. Oh, it's so frustrating. I don't think he's pretentious at all. I think he's like the opposite of of, of pretension. But I, I I think that he's that like this is what he fucking hates so much is being constantly pigeonholed into some category and. And yeah, I guess you could say he kind of exit on via his music or his lifestyle and the people he dates and the people he surrounds himself with. But it's, I, I don't know, it's, he's, he, is a, he is a musician, he is a guy that once he's in a situation and if he doesn't like it, he's going to fucking leave. He doesn't just mm-hmm. stay there and kind of like wait it out. Even like living in, in like New York City and being around those beatniks and that counterculture, 
He fucking hated it. He went to Woodstock. He moved out in the middle of fucking New York where nobody lived and then didn't even go to Woodstock. <laughs> I know. I was just going to say that. He refused <laughs> to play Woodstock. Would he go and play Europe or something instead? Well, that was after. So like after like Woodstock blew up and became this huge thing, he was he played Isle of Wight, which is like a, a Woodstock contender afterwards. But he didn't play mm-hmm. Woodstock just because he didn't feel like it. <laughs> Who cares? I don't, I don't fucking want to go. If you don't want to go, I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it's so uh, good. He's, he's so he he is counter counterculture, and counterculture counter, is counterculture. counterculture is such a it's such a such a weird word because it's like, it's stupid because it's like the equivalent of like what seventies punk was. You know, it was just so it it, it was so uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Commercialized. Even at the even at the time, it was so, it was very commercialized. And it was gross. It was really gross. Well, and then folk, if you read like the conspiracy theories about it, oof, that's a rabbit hole. That is a good rabbit hole. Well, there's, I mean, there's conspiracy theories, extensive conspiracy theories just on Bob Dylan and his life. Well, Motorcycle yeah, there's, accident. There's a ton of stuff that is just really funny. But like folk music is inherently counterculture. The way it's yeah. set up, the way it's delivered. Folk music is, is a way for, was a way in the past for people that were illiterate to pass down their own customs, their own history, people who had money, you know, the haves versus the have nots, the haves would just write shit down because they could read, they could write, they had access to paper, to ink. So they could just write stuff down. Folk music is inherently counterculture. So just, just in like, just in delivery alone, like you, you are now counterculture. And so when you start to live in these, like, like I keep bringing Green, Green Witch Village in New York when all these people start to move there and then you get guys like Andy Warhol and this whole oh, New York scene in the oh, 70s. Andy Warhol's the worst. It's like you have now turned counterculture into the mainstream. Into a commercial product. But Bob Dylan and still hated it. <laughs> Fucking I'm hated surprised. all of it. He never did anything with Andy Warhol? I don't, I mean, the, well, we're only in the 60s. That'll be for 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, he was. Uh, I guess Warhol was both both decades, partially both decades. But no, but I fucking hate Andy Warhol. Fuck, man, he's the worst. The, the more, the he's more, such like, a piece of shit. The more, oh I, my God. The more, like we do older bands and then read about like their connections with Andy Warhol. The more I just, Andy Warhol is just like a guy. He's like a sidler, like in the Seinfeld episode, the sidler. He's a guy that just pops up now all of a sudden. He was like a. <laughs> Who was married to Tony Parker? That girl. Uh, she was a nobody. Uh, Ava Longoria. Ava Longoria. She was a fuck. Like, who Longoria. the fuck is Ava Longoria? She was married to Tony Parker. She was Parker. in Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, way after Tony Parker. <laughs> she dated like Jake too. That was super weird. I was like, wow. I know. Isn't that isn't that weird that casting? Dude, right? Yeah, that's like, come on. Super weird casting. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, yeah, whatever. like like I I never seen this girl. I mean, I, I don't follow like tabloids that often, but I never seen this girl. Why are we talking about this? I never seen this girl. <laughs> Now she's dating or married to Tony Parker. And now she's like huge and she's really big. It's like she's like that person. Like, who the fuck are you? How did you but get then, in? But then remember when we were in Europe back in 08 and she was everywhere. Remember she was like the, the spokesperson for the, the ice cream, the Magnum ice cream. And her face was everywhere. Do you remember that? And she was all over the commercials. <laughs> Maybe I'm completely wrong on Ava Longoria, but I swear I had never even heard of that lady until Tony Parker. I mean, I, I, I heard of her because of uh, Desperate Housewives. I never watched the show. But was that before she was married to Tony Parker? 
It might have been. Yeah, I think so. See, I think she got that because of Tony Parker. No, I think it was before Tony Parker, and then I like and Tony then Parker. because of her, and then because of her her status in Hollywood, then he started. Then she started dating him, or he started dating, whatever you whatever you want to say it. But then maybe also she was so big in Europe because he was French, so maybe That's that true. was the connection too. Because he's, I mean, obviously, I mean, he could be the greatest French basketball player of all time. I don't know. I can't I, think I, of I, any other ones on the top of my head. Yeah, I don't know anybody else from France who played basketball, but you but know, maybe, like, maybe that's, that's like Andy Warhol. He's, he's just I don't know. He just pops up in places and, and yeah, and he's he's a he was a douche. Like everything I've read about him and seen about him, he's just. He's a douche and his art, his art, it's fucking <laughs> trash. It's fucking trash. <laughs> dude, it's the worst. Like, I, oh, dude, I can't stand anyone. I don't, I don't know like a lot about art, but I do think he was a douche. And I do think that he probably took advantage of so many people that will Especially probably. Especially women too. Like he That will probably never come forward. And men too. Like the way he exploited well, men yeah, too true, is yeah, yeah. fucking horrible. And just, I, 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 I agree. I think he's a terrible person, but. Yeah. With really what? really shitty art, it's not progressive. It's I mean most art is trash anyway, and his is like the the popular trash, any the famous our, trash. Any of our actual artists out there are gonna be very upset. I don't give a fuck. Andy Warhol's trash. What are we talking about Andy Warhol for? Oh, counterculture because he, it all he relates took counterculture, counterculture and, yeah. and and ran with it and made it horrible. But yeah, and like it, really commercialized it. Yeah, like like folk folk music in general is counterculture, right? Like. You can even attribute or, I guess, uh, connect like spirituals, like old African-American spirituals as being folk music because it is a way for them to integrate or fuse two different things. A lot of the Christianity that was forced upon them and then they took the, you know, the Bible and stories like that and said, hey, there's a lot of stuff here that mimic our daily lives. And when they're doing spirituals, that is essentially folk music because they're not, they're illiterate. They're not being taught to read like the people in the house Wait, what are. What do you mean by spirituals? Like, spirituals, like, like, uh, the, the precursor to blues, the precursor to like gospel, like, like slave oh, music. Oh, okay. Okay. I see what you mean. I see what you mean. I see. Okay. Yeah. Like, 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 uh, amazing grace on the plantain singing to keep morale up. Yeah. Like okay. That, I see what you mean. That is folk music in the mindset. Cause I, I, I think folk is more of a mindset rather than a genre. At its yeah, core, it's it's just yeah. it's essentially just the passing of tales via music. There mm-hmm. wasn't always recorded music, so the only way for people for the have-nots to essentially pass down, you know, from grandparent to grandchild is through music, is is through repetition, and they couldn't do they couldn't do it through like complex time signatures or or proggy elements. It had to be yeah. very basic, you know, clapping, very basic instruments, and. That's what Bob Dylan embodies is that perfect transition. His first, his debut album was a lot of traditional folk songs, but kind of redone in his way. And if you ever played that game Telephone as a child, that's like a perfect example of how things get lost in translation, how things differ from generation to generation to generation. And that's folk Or you music. can even call it an analogy. An analogy, sure. I don't, I can't. I don't like two hundred words, you can that. and that's about it. <laughs> that's about you're, it. You're not you're not like Bob Dylan who writes I'm tapped just out, words. Well, know? Bob Dylan only knows two hundred words, but the it's way like he uses it, those words. No, it's like it's like he has he has like one dictionary, one thesaurus, <laughs> and he just studies both of those. He studied both of those back in the '60s, and that's how he wrote his lyrics. 
So just a lot of words. A lot, a lot of, words. of words, baby. And talking really fast. So it's just, it just it's it's good. It's so good. Well, it's good. Dude, Some of he, it is good. And then he got and then he got the he gets the Tom Paine Award right in the early sixties. And mm-hmm. as he's accepting the word, he's fucking drunk, of course, because he thinks it's stupid. And he's calling well, out yeah. the panel. He's, he's telling everybody how stupid they are. And this whole thing's a fucking sham. He says, you guys are all too old and, and, and too bald to even understand what counterculture is like anymore. And then he even compares himself. He says, I see some of myself in Lee Harvey Oswald. He says, our society. That is such a fucked up thing. But it's like, dude, it's, it is true. And if you can't. I don't know, like like the most heinous of acts, if, if you can't see that this person is a product of their society, of society itself, and you and you kind of like brush like even like current events, if you brush these people off to the side and say, Oh, this is an isolated incident, this this is this is this isn't gonna happen again. That's that's detrimental. This mm. this happened because of us, because of our inactivity, because of whatever we did as a society, we failed this person, and then we also failed everybody else, and so yeah. that is, I don't know. That's there, no no more truer words spoken, right? Like that's it is true. Mm. It's something we don't like to talk about, and it's something we don't like to see, especially in the '60s. I see a little of myself in Lee Harvey Oswald. <laughs> it's so like on, on, on first reaction it's like i can't believe you said that but it's like okay well it's it's kind of true our inactivity we've we've already forgotten about jfk we don't care anymore and nothing's really going to change nothing has really changed so like, what, do you, what do you want from me but also him understanding that most people aren't going to look at it any deeper than than him being offensive so in a way it was kind of a publicity stunt which is kind of annoying too See, but like, why does it have to be a publicity stunt? Why can't it just be him legit no, no, trying to make a no, change? He, no, no, no. It, it is him. It, say it is him trying to make a change, but it's also him. If he, it's, it's also him understanding that most people in society aren't gonna. They're gonna take that at face value. They're not gonna look at what he says any deeper than that. And especially with the way media, the media, you know, fucking, and you know, spins things. They're gonna make him look out. Look to. They're gonna make him be the bad guy by saying shit like that. They're not gonna look at the deeper meaning. So what should he and do? He knows nothing. That. I mean, he knows what he's doing. I mean, he. I I I believe you're, you're, he knew. You're, you're faulting him for what no, happened no, I'm not out of his control. Him. You are. You're faulting no, him. You no, said that's I'm annoying. Gonna, you said the publicity stunt aspect is annoying. You're faulting him for something that's out of his control. He tried no, 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 to make a difference. No, that's not no, that's not what I was saying. That's literally saying, what you said. You no, said it was annoying. No, no I I said you it was did. annoying that he did it. No, I I you didn't let me finish. So I said it was annoying that he did it because he knew full well what he was doing and the reaction that it was going to get because he also knows that to a certain extent there's no such thing as bad press, especially at the time. <laughs> so Come he on. should just do nothing because it's going to annoy Tyler no, 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 because but that's, of what he's trying no, to do. No, that's the thing. He he did that to get more publicity, to, to get more famous. To why, why, why is your mindset not he did that to try and enact change? Why is your mindset always on he did that because what kind to of change more is he going to enact? What kind of change is he going to enact? It doesn't matter what kind of change he's going to enact. It's the fact that he is doing something to try and enact change. But what is he doing, though? 
The only knowing thing, full no no knowing full well you don't know full well. you majo- know, do you know the future oh, come on we need to go to come Vegas on. if you know the future you tell me you know Dude, the future I know I know more about the future than anybody in the <laughs> apparently we need to but, go to fucking Vegas <laughs> we need to do some sports bets over here if you know the future Dude, I did I got the almanac it is crazy um like yeah, back the to the future so over I here. Do that, yeah. All right, Biff. No. What you got? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm Marty. I'm not Biff. Fuck Biff. Biff is an idiot. I'm no wow. idiot. Wow. Uh I lost my my train of thought. You're, you're you, complaining you, you about Bob Dylan trying me. to change the world. You, so. you completely derail me. Okay, so yeah, he doesn't. He knows full well too. He's not going to enact any sort of change. He's Maybe. not going to. How do you know? No, he's not. How do you know? Because no, up to this point, nobody has really done anything. <laughs> how do, How do you know? Come on. Up to this point, nobody's really done anything. And from then until now, nobody's really done anything. So nobody should ever do anything because Tyler's going to think that they're just doing it for publicity. No. Well, because most people are. Most people who, not everybody, who are right? within most people, this business, not everybody. Most people who are within this but not business, everybody. they do things for selfish reasons. So there are people that don't do it for selfish reasons, right? Well, correct, yeah. Okay. Why is Bob Dylan not one of them? But there's also varying degrees of selfishness, so you can't look at it black and white. Oh, okay, so so even if you're doing something for not selfish reasons, there are varying degrees that I will still of, think that you're doing selfish, for selfish yeah. reasons. Okay. Yes. So no matter what, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Oh, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay. Now that we're on the same page, because <laughs> I totally disagree. I think Bob Dylan tried over and over to enact change. I still think he's still doing it today in his own way. No, I think... I think also it was kind of his brand as well, knowing that if he were to kind of push push the buttons a little bit of the counterculture, and you know he he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. I don't think he was he was as like for. I mean, maybe he was forward thinking, but he also knew how to how to you know publicize himself to the. You're trying and, so hard to like diminish what Bob <laughs> Dylan actually did. It's cute. It really is cute. <laughs> it's cute. Yeah. It's cute. <laughs> You're like trying I'm just, so I'm just hard. Not, I'm just. It's just not sorry, working. I'm, it's not working. I'm just not one of those people who just you know are a cuck for Bob Dylan. I'm. I just. Can't, I can't. I can't. I can't jump on that bandwagon. It's, I'm uh, sorry. I mean, I I I applaud you for your efforts, but um, <laughs> you fail. And see, this is another thing. You're 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 brainwashed. You're 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 Dylan brainwashed. What That's is what, what is are. Dylan? I mean, we're talking the '60s here, so uh, <laughs> his previous four albums have always been about kind of societal change, fucking the man as much as he possibly can. Every interview yeah. I read about was about him kind of fucking the government, hating everything, hating counterculture, yeah. hating popularity. All of his lyrics are mm-hmm. about that. Even the people he's dating yeah. said that they didn't like him because all he focused on was like the negative aspects of government and society. So please tell me where you get this mindset, where you get this idea. But what kind of change? Where you get this idea that Bob Dylan's full of shit? Go ahead. But what kind of change did he enact? You can't. You can't say any. You can't name well, one thing that he. I can't. That, that I can't. Change I'll, because I'll of name him. you something right now. He was there for the march in Washington. He was there. Just him okay, being, so we're him thousands being, of other people. Him being a popular white musician what he, what at the march. You're not going to let me no, finish. What? You're not going to let me finish. You're, you're, oh you're glossing Lord. over arguably one of the most historic things that the 20th century has ever seen. Especially no, in America. The fact that he was there no, hand in hand with fellow marchers. I mean, that is, what are you talking about? The, no, it were is you big. crazy? It like, is. Are you insane? No. no, it is big. That's it not, is, it's absolutely. not, no, it's not just big. It is, it's like one of the biggest things that is one of the biggest things Bob Dylan's ever done. He put his money where his mouth was. 
But just because you talk about it. He didn't I mean, know. I literally just said he's not just talking about it. He's he walked doing at the march. it. He yes, was there. I know. He sang at the march. He didn't I just know. walk in it. He performed there for free. What yeah. more do you want? What do you want him to do? What? I don't know. I'm <laughs> what an act change. What you know? do you want him to do? An act change. Dude, your little your little what do they call them? Sunday Sunday morning quarterback thing that's going on here? That's not what? <laughs> Sunday morning quarterback? What? Is that what they call people like sitting on their couch talking about like, oh, he should have he should have did this, but like really you're just doing nothing. Like well, that's, I mean, that's, yeah, that's Bob Dylan to a T. Neither, neither of us are doing anything. But the We're problem just, is, I'm not shitting on him for doing something. You are. I'm not shitting I, on him. You I'm completely just, are. I'm, you saying that I'm, he is now like I'm this? I'm speculating. I'm speculating. <laughs> no, I'm, no, no, I'm no. I'm trying you to bring truly a believe. Don't here. even, don't even. You truly believe that Bob Dylan did all of this for his own personal gain. He could have. He very. Well oh, could now have. it's he could have. Oh, he. he it went from. I've never said it went from. No, he I was never, doing this. I never made a definitive Bob Dylan as like a, like an entity. Bob Dylan as like a like a, a machine. Now, okay, all right, all right, all right. Like Rage Against the Machine. I get it. Know? I get it. Okay. They never enacted any change. They just talked about it. Bob Dylan literally has done more for this country. <laughs> what, what was what was JFK's famous? What was JFK's famous line? Uh, do wait. Yeah, exactly. Like ask not. Your, oh my, yeah, ask you know, you, not. Yeah. What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Do for your country. And yeah. Bob Dylan walked that. Bob Dylan did that. Bob Dylan still does that. And people like you still shit on him. Or he just makes kind of obnoxious music. And and to like even like get you know, get deeper and get better, Bob Dylan gives a fuck. He, he cares zero. He does not care whatsoever that you think that. And if we get into the 70s too, Bob Dylan, <laughs> dude, he drops N-bombs in the 70s. There's a lot of things that he does in the 70s I mean, that should have I gotten mean, him that, banned. That but makes, because that it's makes him, him a great person, I guess, right? Because it's him. Well, you, you're missing context. Now you're jumping on the bandwagon <laughs> of mainstream media and ma- you're, you're, you're glossing over context and just writing headlines. So relax. But there's a lot of things Bob Dylan in the, <laughs> did in the 70s that should have got him, quote unquote, canceled, but still today. People still look for him, look to him for guidance because of what he has to say. For guidance, come on, come on. I I literally think that you live a now. I'm convinced that you live your <laughs> life in like some type of weird bubble where, when when people actually say uh, things and then follow through with what they say they're going to do, you still criticize them. I don't know if like you're jaded from just the past like year or two, or if it's this like ongoing <laughs> thing. Like what happened? What, what happened to you? When, when did you become so jaded like this? When did the world become so terrible to you? It's always been terrible. Come on, man. We all know that. Who did this to you? <sighs> Bob Dylan did this to me. It's like you were cheated out of your life savings or something by like some like <laughs> carny swindler or something. And uh, like you have this vendetta against the world and everybody's just, out to get you. Like what? I don't the know, fuck? man. I just, I'm just so skeptical of a lot of the, the stuff that was going on in the 60s and... I just, I don't, I don't really, Bob Dylan just doesn't do for me. It's because like you I don't, said, just because you don't like his music doesn't mean you can't like and the like person. I've said, Why do you hate no, the no, person? Like I said, I think he has some really good lyrics, but I feel like a lot of it is just kind of just him wanking, you know? Okay. Which, even, which can even be if fine. Is, even if he which is can wanking, be fine. why do you still hate him as a person? I don't hate him. I don't know the guy. I can't hate him as a person. <laughs> why, why do you think he doesn't actually 
believe that he's going to enact change with all of the things, all of the examples that we've already given. Why do you I think, think he knows he, how to, I think he knows how to properly market himself or he knew how to properly properly market himself and that's what he did. Being the first one to go against like both the counterculture and the mainstream. Come on. A lot of cuz you're 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 kind of pissing off everybody, but in the end people are respecting you because you're really going against the grain. Like he, it's, it's nobody respected it's Bob Dylan in the beginning. He almost got dropped from his label. It wasn't that was after the first record. That was only after the first record. Once the second record hit, he was he he had blown up at that point. It, no, it was not right after the second oh, record. It was not it months was. until after the second record hit. No, not regardless. Oh, come it was on. still after the it second was record. A year and a half from his first record until he, I guess, quote unquote, blown up. But even then, he wasn't he wasn't what we know as Bob Dylan. And when this album hit. He was still an up-and-coming artist. Yeah. And then the Times Yard changed his third album. That was that people didn't like that one because it was a serious side of Bob Dylan and people didn't like it. So he went back to the to the kind of goofier tone of him and for another side of Bob Dylan. And people still was like, oh well, no, you're just changing and flip-flopping. People, people like the Tylers out there were like, oh, you're just flip-flopping back and forth. And he bring it all back coming. You know what? I don't give a fuck. I like rock music. It sounds tight, so I'm gonna do it right now. And or happened? he was like playing, or he was playing to what was going on in the music scene because at the time, no, he you know, definitely Beatles, was not playing. The, the Beatles, by changing his style <laughs> no. to more of a rock based, no, changing his style to more of a rock based, he's playing to the, not only the Beatles crowd but also the Stones crowd. Oh yeah, because he was playing he was at like the Newport Folk Dylan, Festival Dylan, for your first electric set is definitely a uh, a calculated Dylan, risk there. Oh yeah, Dylan was the counterculture to the Stones and the Beatles. That's what he was. He was the counterculture to that. Dylan doesn't want stuff. He's not counterculture. Dylan is just Dylan. He just wants he to was, be left he alone. Was to the, he was to the music, the music scene of the time. He was the counterculture to all of that. Which is good. Because, because the Rolling Stones were the bad boy, the bad boy version of the Beatles. So Bob Dylan Bob did the Dylan bad boy comes, thing before the Stones did, though. The black thing, the smoke all the time, the glasses inside. So Dylan did that he, before they did, but go ahead. But he didn't really become famous because of it. Like the, stone, the Stones, the Stones were not famous because of their did. bad boy image. We just did the Stones. They got famous because of their copying of American, you know, like Beach Boys and blues songs. That's how they got famous. And they changed their stuff in like Aftermath era and then started to become more like rock based. The Stones were like a joke of a band, their first like four or five albums. They were always kind of a joke of a band. Whoa. (laughs) Whoa. Easy, Tiger. I I just can't win. I just can't win, I guess. I just, you, you, you you see, you have such a negative viewpoint of Bob Dylan. It just doesn't make any sense. Like his report card says otherwise. His actions say otherwise. His vocals say otherwise. Everything he does says otherwise but you still think he's like some kind of a shyster or something. And that's what I'm, I'm trying to get at. That's what I'm I don't honestly, understand. I'm just trying to throw out ideas here. I'm trying to throw out, throw out alternative ideas and trying to, you know, I'm stirring the pot. Okay, that's right we now, we right stir now, the pot. what do you believe? Do you believe Bob Dylan actually wanted to enact change or do you think he was just marking himself? No, I, th- I think he wanted to enact change. Oh, but I think, no. But, oh, God. But After it's also... Like 45 times he said he's marketing himself really well. Okay, go ahead. But he also understands, you know, he has to market himself. So it's it's a little bit of both. It's a little bit of both. But yeah, it's more sure, he wants to. Absolutely. There you go. 
you, you got to ride the fence, yeah, man. There, there's no, there's no alternative. There's no alternative. Do you agree with fence. A or B? Well, I do like A, but I also like B. So I'm gonna go with both. I like both. Yeah, yeah. that's good. You yeah. got to go with both. Sure. It's the only way to live life. You know. <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs> this fucking guy. You can't see my hands, but I got like the the, got the Mario fingers. hands. Yeah, the fingers touching yeah. everywhere. Yeah. This fucking guy. This fucking guy. What's your uh, What's your two B? You have a two B. My two B. Oh my god, dude! I have I have so many Bs on this one. Whew, not really. Though. I got five Bs. Like I said, five Bs. But my two B is uh, Subterranean Homesick Blues. Oh. The opener. It's a good one. It's 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 a great opener to the to this record. It's fast. It's energetic. Um, there's not a lot of harmonica, which is nice. <laughs> it only comes in between because there's four verses. There's a short little harmonica part between each verse, but it's a, it's a cool little transition or cool little filler part for that. So I like okay. it, and just overall, the song just never stops. This is this going. is uh, this is what people say like kind of started hip hop, started rap, started this style of music. It's that free association. It's that oh, that style, the stream of consciousness, as they say. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, it's it's good. It is good. It's incredible that leading up to this point, it's only been Dylan, acoustic guitar, whatever. This one comes in, and it's like everybody. Everybody throws in. It's, the intro is really cool. There's a lot of picking and sliding going on. There's a lot of things happening. And mm. I don't know. Just imagine there's no Spotify, right, Tyler? I don't know if you can imagine that. But imagine like <laughs> Dude, you're in the stuff. 60s <laughs> and – you like you only hear radio and then vinyls and so you're yeah. like oh dylan's coming out with a new record let's throw it on and you're just like what the fuck just you know the, that's cool you're acting you're acting like we didn't grow up in an era of that we, we grew up in an, yes we did we grew no, up we in an, and just replaced the vinyl with cds but that's different because cds it's were not more different ex- yes it's completely different i'm gonna tell you why no. it's different for two reasons two big reasons uh, one cds were more compact I don't know if you know what CD stands for, but they were more compact. <laughs> and number two is they were more available. They were available for cheaper. You could buy CDs f- through Columbia House for a penny. You could buy a fuck ton of them. I, mm. wasn't, I wasn't really alive in the 60s or 70s, but I don't know if you could buy like penny I mean, vinyls. You definitely weren't alive, so it's not like... Well, you don't know that. Well, I, okay. I yeah, don't know right that. I don't know when okay. I was born. I remember when I was like eight. That's about it. That's about it. That's your first memory at eight years old. Yeah, I like snippets here and there, but you don't know. I don't know. I don't know how long humans grow. Fucking no, dude. But anyway, science though. I don't know. No, I follow science. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) I follow science. (laughs) (laughs) I'll follow science anywhere. This this dude. This song's a banger. This This, conversation is so. This is like the last like twenty minutes has been so stupid. Because you hate, but when you listen to this again, you will literally hear yourself like shit on Dylan so much for no reason. Just because you'll you'll think he's faking it. Essentially, is what I, you're getting at. I'm I'm the counterculture to Bob Dylan. That's what it is. No, you just that's don't. That's what it is. You 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 think the worst in everybody, and no matter. I mean, again, that's that's not your fault. That's society's <laughs> fault for jading you that way. And you laugh like you think oh, it's a joke, okay, but okay. that's truly what you are. You're like you think the worst in everybody, and it really oh, is okay. sad. Like why do you th- why do you think it's why do you think it's what are you laughing at right now? What is funny about that? I mean, you're just insane. How is that insane? Because you're completely wrong. You don't think the worst in everybody. Like literally, we've been doing nothing but saying how much Bob Dylan hates the government, and all we do on this pod is just shit all over the government anyway. <laughs> 
I don't know why that was funny. But, but. also, also, isn't the point of the pod just to to fight with one another and and come up with with counters counterpoints? I just don't, I just don't understand like why you think Bob Dylan is like doing this like con to everybody when everything no, he's I, done I'm up not, until now I'm not still he is goes. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying bring like look at it from a different perspective. Maybe he is. You don't know. You never know. That is he true. He could be doing a long con. You never like we, know we, anything. We right? we think we've we've have this theory that Fred Durst and Dexter Holland have been doing a long con for the last 20, 35 to thirty five years. Well, Dylan's been it's, doing it it's for a fucking theory. sixty years. Okay, so he's just been doing a, a con longer. Sure, it's possible. I mean, Fred Durst could be doing this con until he's seventy five and die. So I mean, you know, a long con is a long con. It, it's what it is. I mean, no, I'm not going to say that. No, well, it is what it is. So <laughs> it's not. So. um I don't know. Continue. Sorry, I don't know. What, I'm just saying. On. Occam's Razor says that the simplest explanation is usually the correct one. So the mm. simplest explanation here is that Bob Dylan really didn't like the government, and he didn't like society as it was in the '60s, and he wanted to change it, and he tried to change it. Okay. And naysayers like you shit on him, so <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, I shit on him for other reasons outside of his lyrics. Not not his lyrics. No, you definitely Stuff don't like shit on him for his lyrics. You shit on him because of what he does, like actually in society. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that's not true. I don't do that. You totally do. Like, dude, oh, oh my don't. god, get off him. You're just you just love him too much, and it's you love him to a fault. That's what it is. I I that's don't think so is. because he does do a lot of bad things. Like this album, I think is not anywhere near one of his great. This is not even a top oh. ten Dylan album for me. Blonde on Blonde, people just gush over, I think, is a bad Dylan album. There's a lot of things that he does that I think are stupid. Okay. Very stupid. All right. All right, well, I'm going to play a little bit of uh, this uh, subterranean homesick blues, and then we'll get into the lyrics on it. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. So here's the uh, the opener to the Bob Dylan record. Mixing up the medicine, I'm on the pavement Thinking about the government The man in a trench coat, bad job laid off Says he's got a bad cough, wants to get it paid off Look out, kid, it's something you did God knows when, but you're doing it again You better duck down the alleyway Looking for a new friend The man in a coonskin cap in a pig pen Wants $11 bills, you only got 10 There you have it. 
subterranean homesick blues from the Bob Dylans. Uh, so what do you have lyrically for this one? Oh, what do you got, dude? I had oh. to I had to run out and then turn the AC on because it's so fucking hot in here. Is it really? Yeah, well, can I have that fucking light, dude. That because oh, you have the bootleg light. light? Oh my god, the I'm legal actually light. sweating. Yeah, like my forehead is fucking glistening right now. Ugh. You can just get a new light bulb. I mean, it's it's a simple fix. It's but. oh, dude, I have, I'm gonna have to now. The summer's hitting. There's just no way I can't do this. I can't believe you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <sighs> what are we doing here? Subterranean homesick blues. What do you got there? I, I think like overall, this just deals with like distrust of the government as a general theme. The verses sort of, mm-hmm. of deal with individual examples that make the distrust seem more rational. Yeah. But um, but I, I I mean, I, I I don't know like a lot about music, but this this stream of consciousness delivery like that um, that R.E.M. song. It's the end of the world as we know it. Yeah. That type of, of delivery kind of gives us like a better insight to both Bob Dylan and someone who is paranoid or overly distrustful of the government. Like the stream of consciousness is a way to write out the way our brain works. Our brains don't work in a linear fashion. Mm-hmm. Like we don't even use like normal punctuation or like normal syntax or anything. The, the way we think is just, is so abstract. You yeah, it's, it's completely different. Like light or dark or tired or who is that person? Whatever. The way we think is not linear whatsoever. And this delivery is, is just that. So it kind of gives... It kind of gives the narrator more credit since we're seeing the way they think, and and I mean, if we could see to each other's thoughts, I mean that's the ultimate form of honesty, right? Because you think mm-hmm. as honest as possible because you know nobody can see it. It's just when you speak yeah. and when you do things, that's when the lies come out. So I, I think just presentation alone, I think is just one of the most important things in early music. Yeah, and it. The the delivery too, it, like you said, it's frantic and it it kind of goes along with the uh, the con the lyrical content of this this song, kind of showing the the disillusionment of you know teenagers and kids and young adults of this of this era because they they're at a point like they they're seeing you know the cold everybody's terrified of the cold war they're seeing another war emerging out of Vietnam and and which is a, essentially an extension of the cold war. And it's just like them just not, they they just don't know what to think. They don't know where to, what side to take. They're seeing the counterculture kind of coming up, the civil rights, things being turned upside down, you know, with segregation and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, it's it, the, the entire song is, is completely frantic and all over the place, but it just goes so well lyrically. It It's done really well. It's done very, very well. I think it's great. It's a great song. And it's 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 cool because like the last line of each verse is kind of like driving the point home. Mm-hmm. And there's some really truly iconic one-liners here. Like some what of his most iconic one-liners. But verse one, the they want $11 bills, but you only got 10. Mm-hmm. Like that's huge. Like opening this album with that and having that as like the the one liner to end the verse the first verse i think is huge the idea of always being a step behind or never being able to catch up and break mm-hmm. free break even with the government is just 
come on, man. It's, <laughs> this guy. Yeah, it's it's deep. Yeah, this guy's so rad, but it, it's it's deep, but it's presented in such a childish fashion. It's so stupid. Mm-hmm. They want eleven dollars, but I only got ten. Well, fuck you then. <laughs> You're so yeah, close. Yeah. Oh, suck it. Mm-hmm. And it's it, I mean it it's technically only four verses, but. I mean, there's a lot of words here. I mean, you could easily split the these verses up into two or three things and put, you know, segues in between them or put a chorus between each of them. But Yeah, there's, uh, just, there's a lot of fucking words in this one. <laughs> I think I think that's by design though. That's that's not only by design so in, in that he wants to give us a new I mean before this, dude, po- like music was never poetic. Rock and roll no, music, no, no. blues music. Music was just not poetry. It was music was music. Music was rock and roll. Music was blues. It was jazz. Bob Dylan brought something to music that we still carry today. And this yeah. song by design is not just like poetic, but it's like, hey, much like the government, let's see how many words I can fuck into this to make everybody stop listening. And that's that's what like this album is about. That's what this that's what he is about. He's, he's you're not listening. You're not fucking listening to me. It's a good uh I guess you could say it's also like a good thesis statement for the the yeah. rest of the record. That's that's a good that's it's, a good way to put it. Yeah, it's it it definitely sets the sets the tone and everything for the record. So dude, good, this, good on him for this. Yeah, this would take you like You've heard this song before, right? I no. Wait, you never heard no. the yeah, you had to have heard Wait, it. Wait, is this is this the one with here. the video with the the cards? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Then I've heard it. Okay, so, see that that's the thing with Bob Dylan too. It's like I know I've heard his music, but I've I I've never been able to place it. Like I've seen that video, of course. Everyone's seen that video. It's iconic. But okay, I mean, you you can say, you know, that that video is for, you know, any of his songs and I would say, "Okay, I believe you." It's true. I mean, coming from a guy that's spent the past what 200 years making music like he has how many did you say like forty-seven thousand albums so. 30 39 albums full lengths can't you can't you know you, yeah like have you heard this song like yeah i've heard this one and this one and this one it's like dude there's so <laughs> many fucking songs like hey like you yeah. track is so many so it, no you're right you're right yeah yeah so that's uh that, that's my that's my 2b um, okay. Do we want to talk about this one more? Or do we want to jump to something else? What do you want to do? Dude, I have so many notes that it's just it's it's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> it's just talk. crazy. What do you want it's to talk crazy. about? What do you want to talk well, what's about? What's your what's your two B? Uh, Maggie's farm. Oh, oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So then, what's your three B? I'm just deleting Maggie's farm right now. Oh my god! Just always deleting notes. Uh, Mr. Tambourine Man. Really, you like that song? I do. Okay. I really, really do like this song. It's funny that was an too. Okay one for me. It's funny because I have a uh, I have a couple albums by the Birds, and mm-hmm. they did a lot of Bob Dylan covers, and they did Mr. Tambourine Man, and I really don't like the Birds, and I'm, I, they're yeah same here. They're kind of like popular albums, and they're worth some money on the vinyl, so I'm going to purge them eventually. But I just don't like them. But Mr. Tambourine Man, his version is 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 banger. This is the opening track to the acoustic side of the album. It's got kind of this upbeat tone to it that's actually contrasted with a little more depressing lyrical base. And I see that's that's, the, that's I couldn't get I couldn't figure out the lyrics. I this is the one song that stumped me. I I couldn't. That's the beauty. I could baby. not figure out what he what he was trying to do. That's the beauty because Bob Dylan doesn't come out. I mean, he has come out and said this is what this song's about. But then, similarly, he'll come out and say, "Oh, actually, it's actually about this." 
So he contradicts yeah. himself a lot. But I think going in line with your uh, marketing himself thing, I think he I think he <laughs> does it to to preserve his legacy, to pre- preserve like this the subjectivity of it, to keep people guessing. And when whenever you come out and say this is definitively what this song is about, then people stop talking about it. If you mm-hmm. don't ever say what the song's about, people will talk about it forever. True. Yeah. So that's good. But I've 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 always passed this off as being written about a person and made like full use of Dylan's like surreal existential imagery to paint like a fun dreamlike story. I don't know. I was reading more imp- interpretations of the song, and now I think the song is about Dylan's coming to terms with growing old and wanting like okay. his youthfulness back. So the first verse is dealing with him feeling like lost or stuck and the song like explores his feelings of loneliness and the chorus really dives into Dylan's feeling of loss. He feels like mm-hmm. he's lost and, and he's lost like his youth from being a rock star and the childish presentation of a tambourine. Cause a tambourine is like, it's, it's what you give your little brother or little sister when you're playing in a band, right here, play this fucking tambourine. Cause you can't fuck anything yeah. up. So the tambourine itself is, is a very childish instrument it can be delivered in, in, a, in an adult way, but it's a very childish instrument to give to somebody to think about, to write a song about. And so I think even writing a song about the tambourine man is, is just him hearing a tambourine. Maybe his dad gave him a tambourine for the first time and it's triggering. Uh, what's that fucking movie? Rosebud citizen came mm-hmm. like citizen in citizen came when like Rosebud, the sled is like triggering that thing in his mind. Same thing with the tambourine. The tambourine is triggering something in Bob Dylan's mind to bring him back to the idea that he needs to like recapture his youth. If not even for a moment, if not even for just to lay down, shut his eyes for a second. And then knowing full well that when he wakes up, he's going to have to be, you know, the shit rock star that he is. Yeah. The shit rock star. <laughs> Cause I, I, I do think even though you may not agree, whatever, but I do think that he, he battles with enjoying being a rock star a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, I can see that a little bit. I mean, it's 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 hard it's hard to empathize because like who the fuck are we? We're never going to experience that kind of stardom, and mm-hmm. it's always hard for for us muggles to really understand what it's <laughs> like to be a rock star because we're never going to be a rock star. So when these rock stars <laughs> complain how hard it is, our our first reaction is always like, "Oh, fuck out of here! You chose this life. Uh, fuck you, whatever." Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, they're still people. You know, they still have feelings. <laughs> yeah, they're not fucking robots. So I, 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 I think that's, that's what he's trying to get through here is, is he's not a robot. He does have feelings. He does wish that he could probably take it all away, but at the same time, he still loves it. So, yeah. See, I, I kind of took this lyrically trying to interpret it. I took this lyrically, um, I've kind of at more at face value him taking whatever drug, a, a hallucinogenic drug, heroin, who knows? But it's him, the tambourine man represents the drug and it's him constantly chasing that drug, that, that high, that feeling, but never actually, never actually experiencing that first high again, never experiencing that bliss ever again, but he's always chasing it. And I feel like me, I mean, that's, that's kind of my interpretation of it, but I feel like that is more, more at face value than anything else. Cause I honestly, I don't know what the hell he's talking about here. But you made some good points too. So, I mean, who the fuck knows at this point? He's, his lyrics are—they can be pretty ambiguous, especially in this song. I, dude, I, I think that's that's like Bob Dylan in a nutshell. Is just he—he'll throw out one sentence 
and then he'll just let it percolate and he'll let people fight over it and then he'll just sit back and laugh and just count his checks and that's about it. <laughs> Fucking douchebag. Oh, <laughs> makes me so mad. Ah, whatever. He's annoying. He's annoying. No, he is not. He's great. <sighs> <laughs> okay, do you want to play a little bit of Mr. Tambourine Man? No, every, everybody's heard that fucking song. Okay, all right. Then I won't play it. You're being fussy. Uh, what do you have any? Do we have anything else on this one? What else do you want to talk about on this? No, I deleted all my notes already, so we're moving on. Dude, Jesus. Okay, so that was your three B. Mm-hmm. That did I say my three B? I don't think I said you my, did not. I did not. So my three B is Bob Dylan's hundred fifteenth dream. Ooh. So this is the last one. This ends side A. This is the last of the the full band. Uh, I was surprised how this one started out. It started out as like a it seemed like a genuine mistake. You know, it wasn't like, you know, Blink's California album where Travis fucked up on the drums. And uh-huh. it went, you know, it, it didn't sound like fake, at least on this one, which was nice. And it was, it was a nice surprise. It made him seem more like a... A real person. <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the real person. I don't know. Like, like he does make mistakes. Because if you also look at like how this album was recorded all of these songs were recorded within two days. So to see that there were any sort of mistake, any sort of mistakes was kind of, it was cool. It was, it was, it was refreshing. Yeah, it was refreshing. It, Cause I mean, I wouldn't have thought that you, re- cause it said like the first day they recorded between like 1 PM and 6 30 PM. Yeah. And they got like, they got like five so- or six songs done. <laughs> and then they finished the rest of the record the next day. Within like you know a five hour span, and it's two just like, fucking days, like two fucking dude. days, dude. Like, <laughs> Grateful Dead <laughs> took eight months to record a record. He took two days. Or some bands, you know, fucking look at uh, Guns and Roses. They took twenty years to yeah. fucking record Chinese Democracy. You know, it, it's insane. It, it was really crazy. So yeah, like I said, that that part was kind of it was nice. It was nice listening to that, even though it was just really silly, but. It was weird hearing him laugh too. Like he he didn't laugh the way I expected him to laugh. No, because he seems so unpleasant. He seems like like one of the most unpleasant people to ever be around. So zero fun. Oh, zero you know sense he's like. Humor. I just I just thought of this right now. Remember in Beetlejuice, the the mom from Home Alone, and then that that big that fatter dude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like how they're all they they could just critique everything, <laughs> and that's why. What's the girl's name? That's why Wednesday, Wednesday Adams is like the way she is in the movie. She's but not Wednesday Adams. That's not Wednesday Adams. <laughs> no. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Are you sure? Wednesday Adams is from the Adams family. No, I know, but it's the same the same actress. No, it's not. Are you sure? No, it's uh, no Beetlejuice is a. Uh, oh my God! What's oh, Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder, yeah. Oh, from and then Stranger Things. Christina yeah, Ricci is Wednesday Adams. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I yeah, totally forgot right. both. You got there. They look very similar though when they were young, kind of. I guess, or because their makeup. I think probably because their makeup. Probably because they're very white face makeup. Yeah, but anyway, like those two in that movie are just very negative about everything. I feel like that's what Bob Dylan probably was like. Oh, dude, like, know, like hanging right? out with Bob Dylan, it's like no matter where you go, he's gonna just critique the shit out of everything. And you're just, it just seems like you're not gonna have any fun. <laughs> it's just like cool, man. Zero fucking fun. That was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Oh that's God! Good. What a that's good. I don't know. He just seems like a miserable dude. I, I don't know. At least that's what his music sounds like, except for that one part. But except for that uh, one part. But but th- this but this song too. Like uh, looking at it lyrically and uh, just kind of the, the tongue in cheek of it. It's 
it's him like kind of it's just about him f- discovering America. It's him taking the Christopher Columbus story and just kind of running with that, making fun of it a little bit, but then also like bringing up like, you know, how fucked up it kind of was, you know, and the whole narrative, the Christopher Columbus narrative and how backwards it was and how whitewashed it was. And it's, it's messed up. I feel like he was one of the earlier, earlier artists or people to kind of like bring shit that to on the Columbus. <laughs> yeah. And shit on Columbus, you know, cause even when we were growing up in the nineties, Oh, Columbus you was know, God. Yeah. Like he was the, dis- he discovered America and <laughs> you know, fuck native americans and all that kind of stuff so dude it's truly like what we learned we learned that columbus was god we would not be here had it not been for columbus befriending the indians and (laughs) which he didn't even being like bffs with them and teaching them how to be better people like that's that's what we were taught yeah and then also and then looking at him looking at it more he'd never even as far as i know he never even made it to the actual United States like he only made it to the island to like the Caribbean and stuff like that he's a chump <laughs> he's a fucking chump he's no Magellan uh, well that's true you know? he wasn't he he didn't he doesn't have a straight named after him that's for <laughs> sure um but yeah anyway but this, this, this song, song was the song's a joke it's yeah the song's a, it's, it's, it's more a joke. fun it's fun it's a play in America and it's it's funny because it's like you said it's told in this in in the way of somebody coming over to America, discovering America, and then being treated like shit, mm-hmm. and then being constantly yeah. looked down on, and then wanting to leave America, and then go do something else, and then seeing you know Columbus come through and be like oh good luck fucker, but it's <laughs> but it's like on the bigger picture, it's, this is how we treat minorities, this is how we treat people that come to America, we treat yeah. people like this. We treat our own citizens like this, and it's it's fucking. Dude, he was saying this in the '60s, and we still can't fucking get it right. I just don't yeah. understand. There's a there's a funny line in here though. Well, it's not really that funny, but I thought it was kind of funny. What but is it? it? It's when Dylan he's talking about he's searching for help, so he comes across like a, a patriot home, someone who is probably God fearing because they have like an American flag in their window, which is funny mm-hmm. because he's he just discovered America, and there's already an American flag in the window. <laughs> But it, but that that person he knocks on the door like asking for help and like the person clearly is, is like a believer in God and Jesus Christ and but they won't help him and he's like what the fuck dude like Jesus needed help and he asked for help and he's like well you're not Jesus and like close the door and it reminded me of that Kendrick Lamar thing that we were doing and when Kendrick talks about how he he's making a fuck ton of money now but he feels bad because he wants to help everybody but he can't even spare a dollar for the panhandler outside of Circle K so he feels like a piece of shit. Oh yeah, I remember talking about that. And that yeah. was like that that was a really cool line that Kendrick did. So I want to just throw that out there cuz I know you hate K dot and everything, but I don't though cuz he had he had the one good record that the one that we did on the pod. Uh, Pimp Butterfly. Yeah, that was a good record. You know. Yeah. Good Kid Mad City. Eh, that's another story, but that's these are just two examples of like a, a I don't know, a bigger than life rock star still feeling bad for the little things like Kendrick talking about the circle K thing. I'm not, I want to mm-hmm. change the world, but I can't even see you can't even spare a fucking dollar to help this guy. And yeah. then Dylan over here, you know, talking about how he, he's searching for help and he finds somebody who is supposed to be a good Christian person. And he says, Hey, will you help me? Nah. Okay. <laughs> well, fuck me then. Yeah. God bless America. Land of the, are we Free, any different though? Like, are we are we, are we any different nowadays? No, not really, not really, not really at all. 
we all kind of suck. Damn, we do suck, man. We suck hard. <laughs> suck eggs. Can we also eggs. talk about how many fucking words are in this song as well? Oh, it's, it's a, a story. lot of fucking words. He tells a story. Ooh, it's a lot. It's a lot, but it's fun. At least it's fun. It's not annoying. You know, it's not one of his annoying songs with a lot of words. It's that fun. is true. It's a straight fun song. Fun it, stuffs. It, it's it's it only works because of like how silly it is. There's a lot of silliness. There's a lot of yeah. things. Like he he's already he's making comparisons to Moby Dick, but then he calls instead of like Ahab, he calls him Arab. Arab, yeah. And so that's already like. Like at the time, the America, the the Vietnam War is going on. Like everything's, America is terrible at this time, and still kind of is. But <laughs> replacing Ahab with Arab is is funny because we don't care. Like we, yeah, we don't care. We we don't care to learn people's names from other cultures. We don't care to to learn other cultures. We just we, we replace everybody. It's interchangeable. True, true. And at the time, you know the this the. We weren't at essentially we we weren't really at war with the Arab countries and it was a much different time in the world, especially for that for that area and our involvement in that area. We were just beginning our our bullshit with Iran at the time, so it was doing shit like that now, like him bringing up that kind of stuff now that wouldn't that wouldn't fly. But no, whatever. I don't know. Bob Dylan can he's just one of those guys that can pretty much say anything and. It's fine. Like the whole, I mean, this is not sixties, but he got in tr- kind of got in trouble in France when he was he was uh, he was speaking. I don't know if he was in France or speaking about France, and just kind of saying like you can't look at a person, you can't look at like a white person and not think if they have like Nazi blood. And he mentioned other other factions, and it pissed off like Croatians, and <laughs> he almost got like arrested in France, and there was this whole thing. But oh, damn. I think, speak, I think it's just because he's Bob Dylan. This was recent. This is in the past like ten years. I haven't heard about that. I didn't read about it at least. Uh, so that was my three B. Uh, okay. What's your What's your four B? What was my four B? My four B was oh subterranean. Okay, so we talked about that one. Did you uh, Did you by chance what? hear um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers subterranean homesick blues version? No, I didn't listen to it. <laughs> From Mofo <No>. Party. <laughs> oh God! I mean, I've heard that record plenty of times, but I never oh, made the connection. Good. I didn't make the connection. No. Yeah. I mean, it's it literally exactly what you think it sounds like. Well, yeah. I mean, Mo- Mofo Party. That record is very much. It's, it's all rough. the same. It's rough. <laughs> it's. Uh, I mean, Mofo Party's the, Mofo Party's. It's a decent record. No, like the instrumentation is there, but it's just the presentation is rough. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but I then like Subterranean it. Homesick Blues right so they, like also Radiohead has a song called Subterranean Homesick Alien it's wildly popular and this this that song the, the song is my 4B and it's uh, it's I don't know it's iconic it's impactful yeah no it it totally is like we were talking about it, it really re- really represent represents the disillusionment or like you know what young people were going through at the time the craziness of it all. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, what, what, do you have a, what, what's your 4B and what's your 5B? My 4B is Outlaw Blues, and my 5B is On the Road Again. Okay. But then a, an almost banger was Gates of Eden, because I, I, like the, I like the lyrics a lot in that song. But song-wise, yeah, 4 and 5 are Outlaw Blues and On the Road Again. 
So, so as far as like the acoustic side goes, you only had. I had no bangers on the acoustic side. Interesting. Yeah, not not to say that they were bad, but you know they were they were good. They're just I'm not I'm not really into his. Find your cup of pure, tea. Purely acoustic, acoustic, purely acoustic <laughs> stuff. <laughs> that sounded stupid, but uh, but yeah, no, I, I was beatnik say acoustic, acoustic, acoustic. It's just not my thing. Just not my thing. But it's not my cup of tea. I don't like nah. big lumps of shit in my tea. So it's not my <laughs> cup of tea. So what else you got then? No, that's it. Do you it. want to talk about one of my? No, let's do Outlaw Blues and on the road again and call it a day. Okay. So I mean, Outlaw Blues. This is uh. It's just it's an upbeat country rock song. It's it was a lot of fun. I I I really like this. It was it was nice coming off of uh, Love Minus Zero, which is like a slower slower jam, which is kind of like I don't know. I didn't that that's an okay song. So it was nice getting back into the more fun stuff. Um, and it, this is another one of his songs. Just him talking about being a rebel and leaving the folk scene and just kind of like an f you like a fuck you to to that. But it. And a le- like, like the last song, like it's all over now, baby blue. That, that's like a deep song. But outlaw blues is like the uh, the vanilla version of that lyrically. But then musically, it's more fun. So, okay, it's kind of they're both about the same thing. I mean, they are Just they are definitely both about the same thing. Outlaw blues kind of on the surface is dealing with mis. I was looking up to that. I can't say this fucking word. Miscegenation. Miscegenation. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I saw that word too. But I never heard of that word. So the, yeah. the, what that means, like the mixing, basically the mixing of races, interracial dating or marriage or having babies. Mm-hmm. And the song is presented as if he, the narrator, is being involved in some type of interracial relationship and how he feels about it. And... Like the second verse has him feeling paranoid, doesn't trust anybody, even though he feels like he isn't doing anything wrong. And then uh, it just it, it kind of tells this story of what he has to do to even just go through these hoops, to even to see somebody he fucking likes. And in the last verse, he's telling us that he's involved in this relationship. He says, yes, I'm involved with this woman. She is not white, but I'm not going to give you your name. And then it's like, boom, that's the end of the song. It's wait, on the he, surface. wait, that's how it ends? Yeah. Because he says, oh, I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, right. he's, He's not going to give her up. And so on the surface, it's like, okay, this is this is him talking about a lot that he thinks is fucking ridiculous. And he's going to sing about it. And But it's not... Like, that, like, that's the micro. The macro is, like, the bigger picture. Like, you know, like, this is just one facet of how horrible the 60s were to people in general. And yeah. it's, it's it's cool. It's cool that he can he can write a song that is so specific to one law but also be so general to kind of describe a movement Mm -hmm. and i think like i think that's why he's so he's so like highly regarded is because he can do things like that he he has a way with words and it's i don't know words are like bullets it's it's good but like i said it's frustrating to you because you could like you and i just both had completely different meanings like he i don't know that's what he wants. I know, and it's annoying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's annoying sometimes, you know? It's just... At what point are you... Can't you just be straightforward and just... You can tell never you be feel? straightforward. Why would you want to be straightforward? Because sometimes being too ambiguous is annoying. It's frustrating. 
But that really is. That's the spice of life, baby. That's it. But it's, it's, it's like it's, it's like I Lewis guess. Lewis Carroll said, and then through the Looking Glass, the, the question is, said Alice, whether or not you can make words <laughs> mean so many different things. Words <laughs> could be anything. What a what a pull! What a what a quote that you yeah, just yeah. One of the out. few fucking books I've ever read in my goddamn life. <laughs> Have you actually read that book? Yeah, I read it in high school. Not just seen not just seen the movie a bunch of times. I actually don't like the. Actually, I don't like any of the movies anymore. Wait, it, the Alice in Wonderland movies? No, I don't like the cartoon. I don't like any what? of the Johnny Depp ones. Well, the Johnny Depp one was trash. But your but favorite song's for the Johnny Depp one. No, it wasn't. The Pete Rose, not Pete Rose, the Pete Wentz thing. It wasn't... Oh, look, come yeah. on. No, yeah, come on. That's your favorite on. song of all time, the Pete Wentz and then song. Mark Hoppus. Uh, Mark Hoppus. the fuck the song called? But that wasn't in transit. But that in wasn't transit. an actual movie, was it? I don't no, remember I being in the movie. movie. And I hated that song. I don't give a well, shit. That movie sucked. That movie was awful. It was terrible. But the car, come on. The, the cartoon, cartoon is not the, very the good. The Disney no. cartoon was good. It's not. Get the fuck out of here. It's not. It is. It's not. Get out of here. You're just you're just trying to be cool. You're trying to be a hipster. You're trying to be counterculture. No, if I was trying to be you, cool, you I would cool say that's Bob my Dylan. favorite movie. Mm. That's not my favorite Disney. That's not my top fucking 10 Disney movies. Well, no. It, uh, Surely no, top it's one. Not. Come on. It's not top 10, no. It it's close to top ten, but it's not top ten. I throw it down yeah, at anyway. eleven. Okay, I okay, eleven is fair. But it's still good. Some of the anyway. most quotable stuff is from there. But yeah, you don't like it because you think you're so cool. The walrus and the carpenter. <laughs> that was that, that was like a staple of me in drama class. I did that I scene know. over and over. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was there. God. <laughs> I, Okay. Um, anything else on Outlaw Blues? What nah, do you nah, nah, nah. Okay, so yeah, my my five B was um, on the road again. Uh, the only what I don't really like about this is how loud the harmonica was at the beginning. It uh, it was really annoying. Like it really bothered me. But then the blues, the bluesy style of it, the that that totally made up for it. It was very uh, different for him. He doesn't really do a lot of blues oriented blues focused style songs so that was cool um but yeah just that that fucking harmonica man it was so loud so loud so distracting um but the, the what, what i liked about this one too it was him it was him kind of talking shit on you know that part of new york the, the greenwich village and just the hipsters of that area and just just him talking shit i i liked it I liked him just going against kind of the scene that he was a part of there or that he helped develop. And I mean, we touched upon that a lot at the beginning of this episode, but it was nice. Yeah. I liked it. I thought it was, a, I thought it was a good fun making fun of other people's song and that's, talking shit. Like that's something we didn't even like touch upon too. You said that he'd helped develop because he did. He helped develop this scene. He helped bring this scene like to fruition, like maybe Andy Warhol may not have existed had it not been for Bob Dylan. I don't know, but Bob Dylan definitely helped grow this scene. But yeah. then he hated it, and there's nothing wrong with that. You, yeah, you, it's like you can you can set out to do something, and the way it turns out, you can fucking hate. But isn't that like like most things, you know? Especially within music, you know, you have you have bands that that kind of create a style or create a genre, and then it just ends up being it ends up turning into shit because everything is so derivative of it. You know, we, we saw that with punk, you know, like I mean, Blink 182. 
or blink or like you know the like another good example of it is corn you know corn kind of developed this new metal genre but then most of the bands within that genre just ended up being shit and just being so derivative of corn or being so derivative of sepultura or you know fucking deftones or whatever you know so it just it ended up being shit <laughs> so and that, yeah. that's kind of like any genre it's kind of like any any it could be any walk of life or any sort of arts. I guess art would be the best way of comparing it to. I don't know. No, I, 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 I agree. I, I think, I think Bob Dylan is, has, has, uh, we always call him Bob Dylan too. That's weird. Yeah. We never call him Bob, Bob or like Come on, Dylan Bob. or just always Bob Dylan. It's what such a Bob? short name. You can never just say Bob. both of them. We have Bob. Bob. It's hard to say Bob without sounding like you're from Minnesota or something. Anyway. <laughs> so it sounded like a fucking goofball over fucking here. Fucking Bobby's World. Remember Bobby's World? Oh, God. Don't dude, you that know show Bobby? Was, don't you know? <laughs> that Wisconsin accent. <sighs> dude, I, and then that fucking podcast I listened to, The Punk Till I Die, Tom Trauma, he has that, that Wisconsin accent. Does he? Oh, dude, his accent is... You've never noticed that? No. He never. has... Dude, his accent is very much... like weird. L.A.? No, no, he's from he's from Wisconsin, but oh, he lives geez. in he's he's lived like his whole like adult life in Detroit. He, so he, oh, he lives in right. Detroit. Oh, that's right. He's big in the like the Detroit punk scene. Yeah, yeah, but he he grew up in Wisconsin, like like middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. So, Wisconsin. But yeah, I don't know. That's anyway. That's uh, that's cool. That that's cool that you can create something and then hate what it becomes. That's yeah, every, that's every parent's dream, I guess. Right. <laughs> Wait what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's oh, fucked up. God, yeah, that was yeah, yeah. Okay, that's, that's it, dude. We have fully dissected Bob Dylan in the '60s. There's nothing left to be said. We didn't even touch yeah. upon the Newport Folk Festival, but that's fine. That's we, we don't, don't need, need to. to. We don't need to because we talked about the hatred Correct. of Bob Dylan from that. Yeah, we don't. And also I think a lot of that, that was overblown. I think a lot of that is like legend and lore. Like it's yeah, not, I think so too. Yeah. I don't, I don't think a lot of that, that was real. So, <sighs> so let's, let's give our final thoughts, wrap it up. Right. Final thoughts, give up, our rating. Baby. We have a three point rating system where three is a perfect album. Two is a good album. You're going to continue to listen to one is a bad album, but give it a shot. And zero is a trash fire. So what do you got, Jeff? Final thoughts. Go. So this is, uh, this is okay. I, I, I understand like <laughs> why, why this, this album is important, but it's, it's important for the wrong reasons. This, this album is like hailed as, as one of like the greatest of all time. And this, and I just, I think like, Why? He did better stuff on this record. He did more important stuff on this record. If you're just gauging the importance of this album strictly on the fact that he kind of switched genres, then you're missing the point. Like you're missing the point of Bob Dylan, mm -hmm. of what he wanted you to listen to, what he wanted you to hear. And uh, like the songs are fine. There's nothing wrong with these songs. I think they're all good, minimum. And I will continue to listen to this record over and over. But, I mean, to call this one of his best is just, this is not even a top 10 Bob Dylan album. So <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's silly. 
You probably like his newest record more than this, right? Absolutely. Dude, Rough and Rowdy Ways is so good. Uh, that was one of my top five best releases of last year. I think it was my number three. Get the fuck out of no, here. No, it was dude. my number four. It was my number four. It was my number four. It was RTJ, Bomb Pop, Suicide Machines, and then um, Bob Dylan. That's what, <laughs> what, what a difference in genre. <laughs> in fucking albums, dude. Hey, when they're good, they're good, right? Am I right? Am I right? Uh, yeah, right, no, right. you're you're right sometimes, but sometimes, rarely, sometimes, rarely. But yeah, yes. man. Like I don't, I don't. I, I, it's everybody should at least listen to this album once. This this should be like in everybody's backlog. Everybody should hear this album once because it's not just like a good folk album. It, it doesn't just like define you know the counterculture of New York City, but it kind of like it kind of defines this generation of the sixties of, of musicians coming together with the populace and fighting against our horrible, horrible society. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's, this is one of those albums where like the sum of its parts are bigger than it is as a whole. Each song individually means more than if you just added them all together and put out an album. Like subterranean homesick blues is so important to music, and a lot of stuff on this album is so important to music that you can't just brush over. Oh yeah, bring it all back home. That's a good album. It's like you really need to get into it. You really need to get into the mind of Bob Dylan, and you really need to get into like the mindset of society in the '60s. This mm-hmm. is a this is a fantastic representation of 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 culture of America in the '60s. So I don't know. For whatever yeah, that's worth, I'm hard pressed For to find. I'm, I'm I'm hard pressed to find any other album of the '60s that better like represents like American culture and American diversity and and, and descent. N- not diversity because we were no diversity in the '60s, but descent. <laughs> descent is a good yeah. word. Descent is a good word. Th- this this album perfectly captures like this d- descent of Americans in the '60s because I was alive. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> so yeah, with that said, uh this is this is a two two five, two point two five. That low, huh? That yeah. low. I guess I guess you're yeah. not that big of a Dylan man. I, I guess know. not. What would you what, what would you give uh times they are a change in? Oh that's a three. That's a that's a perfect album. Oh, dude, get out of <laughs> here. Get out of <laughs> here. My top five Dylan albums are all perfect threes. Oh god. I can't believe this this doesn't break your top five. That's in, insane nah. to me. That, no. That's insane. <laughs> no. Nah. Okay, so um okay. My 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 final thoughts. Uh this was this was actually better than I was expecting. Uh like I said, after coming off of uh the strict just him playing the acoustic guitar and harmonica, when I got to this I was just so I was so pumped. I I was just I couldn't I actually couldn't wait to hear more. I was very excited because this this album takes the best to me, it takes the best of both worlds. It takes the best of the full band. It takes the best of just him, you know. And it's it was really cool. It was a, it was a lot of fun, and and I enjoyed his lyrics, and I enjoyed what he had to say, and and how he at times at how he he conveyed it. Even though it also frustrated me too, like we talked about, it was I got, I got the full range of emotions on this one. I got. I was aggravated. I was stoked. I was happy. I was Dude, that's, enjoying myself. That's what it's about baby. That's it. That's what it was. Yeah, I, I enjoyed my listen. To my I listened to this record four times this week, and uh, I I enjoyed it. I I really did. I wasn't. This wasn't like when I listened to Poison. I, I didn't hate my life, <laughs> but I still listening to Poison. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I still 
for the most part, I don't really understand why people like him because this is like the true outlier for me. This is the one album where I thought was like, this is really good. Like he should have done more of this. He shouldn't have changed and sounded like shit after this, you know? And I don't know. I, for the most part, I don't understand why people like Bob Dylan musically. I don't think he's that great outside of this, but this album is solid. It's, it's a solid output from him. I, I really enjoyed myself, but like I said, I would not pay more than a dollar for this record. Maybe you can convince me if I've if I've had a couple like drinks, I might I might pay two dollars for it. Come on, I might pay two dollars for this, but nah, I'm, I'm this is not a vinyl a vinyl purchase for me. I mean that's so, that's fine if you're not gonna listen to it, don't buy it. Yeah, I mean, but with our rating system, I'm gonna have to give this a a, a two out of three. This is a solid two, solid two. I enjoyed myself. I did enjoy myself. So, okay. but after, uh, anything outside of this record is going to be a sub two. So, because yeah, like I said, this is the this is a good representation. Go. This is a good representation of both sides of him. So, two solid two for me. All right, so, well, there you go. We we did it. We fucking did right. it. Okay. Damn, we can, did it. Can you believe it? You actually got me. Th- you got you had me listen to nine of his records. I'm fucking surprised. <laughs> Never thought it would happen. Never ever thought it would happen. So, um, yeah, that that's what we got. So, go to iTunes, go rate, review, and subscribe to us on there. Follow us on social media at Ask Nine Radio, and um, stay tuned for the next episode because mm. it's gonna be a very different album, very very different album. And I don't know if I'm looking forward to this listen through either. So. I'm not going to give out what we're doing next. So that's it. That's all. And David Jordan. Everybody must get stoned. Oh, I fucking hate it. I hate it so much. I mean, one of the songs has like 15 verses. It's like, dude, come on. This is just silly. It's silly boy talk here. <laughs> what? It's, <laughs> silly it's, boy it's, talk? It's ridiculous. None of this is so. silly boy talk.